mock me, but I shall not be mocked. Did nobody else see freaking? Okay, never mind. What What did we see? What were we supposed to is, see? Is, no, I was saying is it's a it's an SNL sketch. It's like an old SNL sketch. Oh, okay. it's been a while since I've watched Saturday Night Live. We did watch like but you mock me, but I shall not be mocked. It was it. It's old school. Never mind. Apparently. Has SNL done a, a heaven version of uh, Celebrity Jeopardy now that both Sean Connery and uh, Alex Trebek are dead? They would need to. No, they, need to. they would need to no, get but... both uh, Will Ferrell and ha- Daryl Hammond back at the same time. No, they have it, but they did post an old uh, rerun of uh, a, a Celebrity Jeopardy. Like recently, they reposted an old um, episode of it. Yeah. That was some Wait, funny Ian. stuff. Yeah, it was. Ian, you never sent me your your thing. Yes, I did. I sent you I a don't... Facebook message. Did you send it on the, the crew one, or did you send it on mine? I sent it on the individual, individual one. one. Yeah. Oh, see, that was the problem. <laughs> I was looking for it in the other thing. Anyway. Yeah, it was the tank oh, scene. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. I see it. I see it. Way down here. <laughs> yeah, I sent you that earlier this week. Dude, I'm not paying attention to stuff I got earlier this week. <laughs> Hold on, let me see. Ah, there it is. Okay. Okay, and I will put that in there. And it will go in action. There it is. Okay, I think that everything. Caleb, did you send me one? I did not. I didn't know, but I do have one, so I can send you one. <laughs> so I know, so I can pull it up. And... Yeah, I'm putting them all in a playlist, so I have them pulled up. You do realize that a lot of these scenes we're not going to be able to replay for YouTube, right? Are we planning on <laughs> replaying these from YouTube? I thought we were just going to. Discuss them, and also, if we were to replay them from YouTube, would we be able to do that? No, we would not. That's what I was thinking. So we're just talking about them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what is what going on the there? Fuck was that? That was weird. Was that? Oh man, Jim, you are like being played back on a vinyl record at the wrong speed, Your and it's voice. kind of terrifying. Your voice sounds like this right now. What? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, oh my god. What? <laughs> <laughs> I literally have no idea what you're talking about. You know what? Right, it sounds like? Jim? Hey, oh, it yeah. sounds like in the movies. You know, it sounds like in those in those movies, like when somebody's like high and they hear somebody talking to them. <laughs> That's exactly what you sound like. I was thinking he sounded like on those phone calls where you have the voice masker and the the person yeah. who's uh, trying to blackmail you calls is like, "I need five hundred dollars deposited in." The... Um... <laughs> when you try to do the voice and talk, this, you, if you talk, it's normal, it's not perfect. Um, but um, no, 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 just stop. 
You should you should uh, close out and open back up, and it will probably fix it. <laughs> this is what Jim sounds like. <laughs> Jim, you sound like this. You sound like somebody who's trying to get money from people illegally through illegal means. Or you sound like somebody uh, trying. Yeah, you still sound like. Yeah, you, like, you should. This is the app sucks. I should not have switched to the app. <laughs> <laughs> Don't use the app. Don't use the app. Only that was outstanding. That. that was the best thing ever. If this, this is all we get through today, that would be worth it. Oh, that man. was the best action scene. Uh, man i wish i was recording that wait you were no. wait you no, he is he's been recorded for like you son minutes. of a bitch <laughs> All right. anyway and since... record yeah you can't sure. just tell You've the same been... joke twice in a row yeah, and have it seriously. work in it doesn't work that's right, yo, fine, you're not donald trump i'll stop <laughs> you're not donald trump you can't tell the same joke twice in a row all right, let's see if this works. Hello, Jim. How are you doing? <laughs> Everybody act like. Can you hear me? Oh, God. Now it's something else. <laughs> see, it's not just that. It's something else. Um, Can you change anything but double the up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, Jim, here's here's an idea. Do you have Discord on your phone? I'm not sure if that was a yes or a no, but try getting try it on your phone. Really weird. I wonder what. Like, I don't even know what's called. Like, I can't even think of. I mean, it sounds like it's like a if you have the the sample. yeah, if you have the the sample rate at forty four one instead of forty eight, or the inverse of that, it would do something similar to that, but not anywhere near. Like it's not like two octaves down like this is. It would be more like like you would barely tell. Um. Well, should we start with everyone else's action scenes for the time being, and uh, if anything, since you know Ian is just right above you. You could just join with him. I guess. I I wonder if I have a microphone or a headphone splitter around here. Probably do. Oh no. Hello. Oh. Hey. Oh. Hey. hey. That sounds no, better. That's, that's normal, Jim. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's got to be the computer then. That's um. Weird. Yeah. So so at least you've uh, isolated the variable. That is a science term for my science friend. Yeah, because look, anyway, look, because now that we fixed that, I'm just gonna do this. Hey, everybody, this is the JCU podcast where we every week we get together to just catch up. Uh, we were just catching up a moment ago there with uh, 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 blackmail criminal uh, Jim, uh, but blackmail criminal Jim had to go, so now we got regular teacher Jim. Uh, That's racist. <laughs> How is that racist? How is that not? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Teachers aren't a race. I'll be right back. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, 
blackmail uh, criminal Jim will uh, maybe return in, a, in another episode, or maybe not ever. It depends. Who knows? Anyway, uh, this episode, we're getting together because we wanted to talk about our favorite action scenes of all time. But first, I have a real Black Lotus. What? That wasn't even what I I didn't say Black Lotus. I said Black Male. But I have a real Black Lotus. And yeah. moving on. Anyway, <laughs> that's Ian's magic reference for the episode. So there you go. You get one. <laughs> So uh, I'm touching this like without said, a sleeve just to piss off magic fans. Yeah, you do that, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Blackmail criminal Jim is back. <laughs> and then he left again. <laughs> That's never gonna get old. Hey kid, I'm a computer. <laughs> Oh Jesus! <laughs> I can't. I really wish I could hear what you hear because I don't hear it on my end. So. Dude, you'll, you'll hear it when we. Yeah, well, you'll hear it when you we play the recording back. You'll yeah. hear. It. <laughs> anyway, uh, like I said, we're today's episode is about our favorite action scenes of all time, all the cool action scenes that we all love and appreciate, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, we just wanted to talk about them and uh, what our favorite ones are. Uh, I guess. Since I'm not going to play them then, Ian. I mean, you can. It's just I, like that. I think there'd be legal re- legal issues with that. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to play the audio. I don't know if like they can see the video that if I stream it for you guys, if they can see it on the recording. We can try. They probably can. If you want, we can try. Uh, if YouTube makes me take it down, then I'll just cut those sections out. Uh, uh, never mind. This... this... People, people have the the capacity to find these scenes. We, they do not require us to. Well, I'm uh, not necessarily showing it for them for the video. I was showing it for us so we can look at it while we're talking about it. All right. Yeah, and Ian, can you like crop out one fifth of the screen or something if necessary? Sure. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. 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 All Yay. right. So then, if that's the case, then. What I'm doing now is I'm putting that up there. If you guys could see that screen yeah. now. Oh, cool. And uh, so I've got mm-hmm. right now, uh, I've got right now Nathan's, uh, Nathan's scene listed first here. I'm just going to hit that play. I'm good with that. that. Um, yeah, let me turn this on. Yeah. There we go. But um, so, yeah, I guess uh, my scene is the car chase uh extravaganza from the matrix reloaded Mm -hmm. and i think it's like possibly the best scene in a movie i didn't really care for ever because it is just like so much better than the rest of that movie and and i don't hate the rest of the movie but the rest of the movie is kind of like meh and this scene's like holy fucking shit look at all this shit going on (laughs) um i love the aspect of it where it's just like this is insanity, but it feels like nobody else on the highway is paying any yeah. attention to anything that's going yeah. on. Yeah, that's because this, well, I mean, we're in the Matrix, like the Matrix. Yeah, I mean that's kind of. I mean, so the thing about that is, yes, they're not, and it is perfectly justifiable within this world because, I mean, bonkers, random crap happens all the time, and people are just like, eh, okay, I'll just go to the office now. Yeah, but um. 
to me, the big thing that I love about this scene, and I'm, I have several things I'm going to list, but the big thing is after one of the characters in movie one becomes the literal messiah and can do anything, how do you make an action scene have stakes? And I think they set up a really good way because Neo isn't in this scene, yeah. right? And and the way they do it is they set up a character who can get you to like teleport you 500 miles away. And then if the door shuts, then you have to get those 500 miles back like in real time rather than through the portal. And so they do that and it's well set up. They have the key maker. He can do all this magic. Um, right. And so then that allows you to have an entire scene full of like stakes. So you have um, the only good characters or the good characters in the scene are Morpheus and Trinity who are superhuman, right? But not invincible, <laughs> like godlike beings. Not so they can get cars. Yeah. Like this. <laughs> and so, and so this whole scene, basically it's a chase scene, but it's also of you know a, a time like it, it's a, a race against time like can these characters hold out long enough for neo to like zoom in from 500 miles away and save the day so when he does that it's not a deus ex machina you know from the get-go that's what's going to happen the but it, the, yeah that's what's going to happen but the the real element of the action scene is can these other characters hold out long enough for that to happen See what I mean? Um, and then you have another... It's integrating Deus Ex Machina into the actual scene. Yeah, and that's actually not the only time that happens in the Matrix. There's a literal character named Deus Ex Machina later on. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is you have... You don't just have, like... It's not just a fight between two sides. There's three sides. There's the uh, the, the the French weirdo and his two um, Australian ghost uh ghosts. albinos right his reggae ghosts yeah his reggae ghosts and then you also have and then you have the good guys and then you also have the agents who are trying to come in and get the keymaker so you have two different factions trying to get the keymaker first and he's the character that he's basically the the macguffin that they have to get through the scene without him dying so that they can get to their next goal and and you have two different factions going after him and then the good guys trying to protect him and so you have like all of these different all these different uh angles in the scene. It's not just like one character's chasing another. You have one character chasing another, and then you have this third faction chasing the first character who's trying to kill the fourth character, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, possibly and you could probably guess what I'm going to say my favorite thing about the scene is is the music. And yeah. it, on this soundtrack album, the way this the, the the name of the song is Mona Lisa Overdrive, which is first of all a baller cue title, right? Uh, but second of all, it's listed as Don Davis versus Juno Reactor. So Don Davis is uh, a film composer. He's very classically trained, and the music he does is this orchestral, like super hyper modernist, post minimalist music, right? With yeah. with you know these these trumpet choirs that are playing in different keys and that's kind of the matrix sound and you have all these action cues in the orchestra but 
In addition to that, you have Juno Reactor, which I actually need to Google where they're from, but I think they're a South African... Um, no, they're just an English uh, electronica group. Um, and and so in addition to that orchestral music, you have all of this very time-specific to 2003 electronic music, right? And the two different styles of music, they clash with each other in a very awesome way. And so you have like all these different elements to the scene. You have the, the, the plot, which sets it up beautifully. You have the music. And then you also have this enormous highway in this like mythical late 20th century city that like, you know, megalopolis that never really existed, but kind of epitomizes, you know, post-industrialization. So, it, so the, the visuals really add to it too. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite action scene, I think, of all time, even though I would probably rate the movie like a 6 out of 10. The action scene's like an 11 out of 10. The one thing I love about The Matrix Reloaded is we don't really get enough of the agents in the later, uh, in, like... In the, the third one? Yeah, in the third one. Like, I think the agents as a character are just fascinating, and they all just basically end up becoming, um... What's his name? Smith. Smith, Yeah. But I think, like, I, I really like the fact that we get to really see the agents without Mr. Smith here. And yeah. we just get to see yeah. them go, hi, yeah, we're about to come in and, and punch some stuff and be really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to wreck cars. Yeah, and there's that one shot. And, and the, the visual effects mostly hold up. But the shot where the agent jumps from one car to another, it's got kind of that PlayStation 2 graphics yeah. on it. But honestly it kind of even adds to the charm. Like I love like old stop motion movies and they don't look realistic, but like that's kind of part of the charm. Mm -hmm. And I think we're far enough removed now from like 2003 that like 2003 era CGI kind of even adds to the charm of the action scene. Like you see like the, you see the seams in it. Right. But it's, it's not quite to the, the uncanny Valley yet. So it's, it doesn't get that creepy look that you get from like Rogue One, uh, Peter Cushing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, definitely, uh, definitely. question. Okay, so admittedly, I haven't seen the second and third Matrix movies since they came out. Can someone uh -huh. please remind me what is the deal with the reggae albino ghost people? What was the deal with those guys? So there's the French guy. He, I think he's called the Merovingian, and he just That's had right. this like this like posse of like weird. I think they're all supposed to be computer programs, right? Mm -hmm. They're not oh, actually people. What they were was basically they're like old versions of agents from previous okay. matrixes. And yeah. uh, basically they they're holdovers from those old matrixes that aren't supposed to be there. Yeah, so that makes sense. They have like... weird abilities by virtue of the fact that they're programs that aren't supposed to they're not compatible with this program, right. so they do weird stuff and glitchy stuff. Yeah like phase through walls and solid objects and crap. Which is really cool. Um, or they're werewolves or they're vampires or like yeah. and then the, the <clears throat> Oracle explains it earlier in the movie by telling like anytime you heard a story about like werewolves or vampires is because it's a program that's not supposed to be here. Oh yeah. I forgot about that bit. Um, but yeah. And like before we like about an hour ago, I just watched this scene again and I, 
I was I watched the you know the scene where Keanu Reeves fights like fifteen guys on a staircase right before that scene. Yeah, the chateau and, fight. Yeah, I saw that scene. I watched that scene leading up to the car chase, and I was like, "Oh man, this scene is." I don't like it. Like, it just feels like nothing's happening. There's no stakes. And I was worried for a second there. I was like, oh, man, is this car chase scene not going to live up to what I remember it being? But as soon as Neo's out of the picture, all of a sudden, like, it's literally just that. Like, you get the stakes again. Like, you have um, uh, Trinity has to, like, jump onto the, the motorcycle truck and get on the motorcycle. And then all of a sudden, like, when like she's on the motorcycle, she doesn't have any protection. And so like every little car that flips over near her, you're like, Oh shit, is she going to die? And then like um, Morpheus has the scene where he's uh, where the, the car's barreling towards him. And then he like flips out of the way and like sword. gets uh, the sword through it. And, it. and then he shoots it and it explodes. And like, that entire time, like, yeah, it's a good guy. They're probably going to live. It's not Game of Thrones, right? But you feel the stakes, unlike in the Chateau fight, where it's just like, obviously, Neo's going to kill all these people. It doesn't matter how many people there are. He's literally a god. Mm-hmm. Man, it's like, that's, that's why everybody keeps saying that Superman is so hard to write for, is because it's like, how do you give stakes yeah. to somebody who can literally move yeah. a planet? <laughs> By flying yeah. around it backwards or whatever it's like it's, it's it's tough but you know they find a way by just like okay let's just take that character and move him way the f over here yeah exactly <laughs> um and and they literally um in the matrix reloaded when neo's like zooming around in the stratosphere one of the guys says he's doing his superman thing <laughs> like that like, that's so, just, uh, yeah, let's just move techno sci-fi Jesus away from the scene, and then let's give it stakes. Yeah, yeah. What's up, Jim? So I I hate to interrupt this, but like, just in case Ian has to pop off early, why don't we move on to his yeah. choice and yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's keep that ball rolling. Sorry. Okay. And what's your scene? My scene was the uh, Golden Eye Tank chase. Oh. Oh yeah. Let me go back to there. We go. Okay. Hold on. But you guys, you can start talking about it, though. So, yeah, GoldenEye was kind of a a, a weird anomaly when it comes to James Bond movies. um, Because prior to this, they had done two Timothy Dalton films, and he had been signed. You might want to take that back a bit, because that uh, that reveal is quite good. He had been signed to do three James Bond movies, at least. But there had been a big problem with uh, MGM, and I want to say United Artists. And there's the reveal. <laughs> it's just, just like, how do I go after this car? Oh, I'll just grab a tank. Because I can just drive a tank. Uh, <laughs> James Bond, look, at, look at me drifting in this tank. Yeah, no, this, this scene is amazing. Like, there had been a big problem with, with MGM and United Artists about, about like, rights over GoldenEye, or over uh, James Bond. And this was also the first where, um, I want to say... I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I might get this name wrong and people might get mad at me, but the original uh, producer of the movies had passed away and his daughter uh, had taken over uh, doing directing. This was her first movie. And so Eon Productions just basically threw everything they had at it. They said, okay, you know what? We've got uh, a brand new... I can hear myself over someone. I'm not sure who. I think it's maybe Nathan. But like Eon Productions says we've got 
Pierce Brosnan, who we wanted to be in this series a long time ago, but he was held up with, um, what was that TV show that he did? Uh, uh, where he was uh, Remington Steel. Remington Steel. Thank you. Yes. Like he was held up by Remington Steel because NBC wanted to just like try and get as much money out of Eon Productions as possible until finally uh, this movie came along. They're like, okay, now we can get Pierce Brosnan to play James Bond. And so uh, they like for six years, they kind of been in legal issues. And so once they were finally able to make a movie, this is what they ended up making. And this scene was partially shot, believe it or not, some of the close-ups, not the interior, but exterior was shot on uh, a soundstage. And some of the exterior shots were actually shot on, like, I want to say they were in Vienna, maybe? Uh, to do the, like, I can't remember where the movie was specifically, but half of it was shot actually in the streets with, like, cars that they just wrecked up, and half of them were shot on a giant-ass soundstage. But this scene just goes to show just how fun and goofy the Bond films can be, because when James Bond is like, okay, I have to do a big, huge car chase scene, um, what what do I get? And everything's gone white. No. That's my fault. Yeah. But yeah, and so they're like, okay, we have to do a big, huge car chase scene, what do we get? Uh, can we get a uh, another big car? It's like, no, there's tanks all around. Screw it, I'll just use a tank. And then he just jumps in and starts <laughs> driving it like like it's no problem because that's just kind of how he is. By the way, for those of you watching, uh, if you've ever heard the term Mary Sue used before, James Bond is basically <clears throat> the ultimate version of Mary Sue. It's just like, yeah, yeah. He, can, he can do everything perfectly at any point in time. And why? It's just because he's James Bond. That's who he is. He can just figure stuff out. So, hey, I can just drive a tank and run over this car and yeah. run over that car and probably That means definitely dead. Yeah. <laughs> Except they're not. They're, they're climbing out of the car right now, actually. Yeah, no, he's, no you're dead. It's like, no, bro, you're dead. Are but you just... suggesting that driving, tank, driving tanks is not part of standard MI training? Um, well, that's I'm pretty the, sure it's not. Well, that's the thing. We don't really know what standard MI. Oh, yeah, and there's the Perrier, uh, who is probably a sponsor, and they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's just like, did you just wreck through my truck? Now, the scene could have been better is if he had just grabbed one of those cans and drank it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something. But yeah, this, this entire scene is just ridiculous because all he had to do was chase after this car. <laughs> And he just decided, fuck it, I'm going to take a tank and drive it through. He's in the tank. And yeah. that dude is, like, just drinking the whole time. He's yeah. like, this, nah, this is... <laughs> He's like, I cannot believe this is happening. It's I like, need to no, drink. Where are we going to find a guy in a fancy suit driving a tank with a statue on top of the tank? This is just... Mwah. Yeah. Oh, and wait, wait for it. Crash. <laughs> hey, Ian, uh, where would you moment. rank Goldeneye in your uh, James Bond rankings? Because. Yeah, it is way up there for me, oh, too. Yeah. Like, the, yeah, the Pierce Brosnan movies kind of get worse and worse as the series goes on. But, that like, it really shows they threw everything they had to make GoldenEye good. And GoldenEye's just good. It's a really solid movie. I love, like, I love the Tina Turner theme for GoldenEye. Yeah. It's and, possibly and got, one of my favorite James Bond themes of all time. And they got Tina Turner to do the theme. Like, they they gave this movie their all and really kind of just tried to sort of 
ride the wave it, of Goldeneye with all the others. I still the weirdest like, soundtrack to a James Bond movie, though. Originally, they weren't going to have the James Bond theme in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, you gotta have it. And was so it, guess, what scene, guess what scene they put it in? This scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. The only scene in the movie, I think, that has it. And the rest of it's like this weird French electro, like yeah. early 90s electronica music. The, the music oh, okay. for the film is a little odd, but that's because there's also been like a six-year gap <laughs> between um, License to Kill, which was also kind of a strange movie for uh, for itself. It felt very much not like a James Bond film. But, yeah. Benicio Del Toro's in that movie. He is, and he plays a great... Kill the one... Wasn't License to Kill the one that was... Uh, didn't AHA do the music for that? I think they did Living Daylights. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Living Daylights, which is actually... Which I would say is actually pretty decent. Uh, License to Kill is strange. No, I think both Timothy Dalton movies are excellent. They are weird because he doesn't feel really like the normal James Bond. I guess he probably apparently closer to the book james bond right. i've never read the books the first movie feels more like sort of taking it back to you know bare bones let's just make a decent spy caper um and i do like the mystery element of the first movie the problem i have with license to kill is that it doesn't feel like a james bond film it feels it like feels a, like scarface yeah it feels like an action revenge movie yeah. and there just happens to be a guy named james bond yeah in it. that's the big problem and so then then comes Goldeneye, which is like, because every every James Bond up until this point has had a very much a thing. Like Sean Connery was more of a sadistic, enjoys killing James Bond. Roger Moore <laughs> was more of the lover James Bond. You know, yeah. uh, George Lazenby was kind of a uh, early, an early prototype, early an early prototype of what Roger Moore would be. Uh, Timothy Dalton sort of was an early prototype of what Daniel Craig was. Yeah. But Pierce Brosnan was just James Bond. There wasn't... Yeah. Yeah, he just... He fit the role so damn well. And I'm sorry, classic James Bond fans, I'm not really a fan of Sean Connery's Bond. Well, I I think... (laughs) The other thing is, like, the early James Bonds, like, it is just so misogynist. Like, it is kind of gross. Not kind of. It is just gross. Yeah. And apparently the book version is even worse. It was a simpler time when men were terrible <laughs> yes. that is that is the phrase I, I still hold to it that if you judge them by if you judge them by simply the era that they were made as 1960s spy capers dr no and from russia with love are good they are good movies the rest of the sean connery era isn't i don't know why people like goldfinger goldfinger is not a good movie oh i like goldfinger it's not good finger I, I even like Thunderball and uh, You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice isn't like terrible, that. but has to be Except it's super racist. Yes, it is. It's, like, incredibly racist. That, um, I think we lost Jim. We did lose Jim. So I'm, I'm actually trying to get in touch with him right now. But keep going anyway. But, yeah, I think once James, like, it became, like, there's a scene in GoldenEye where um, M is now... Um, it's the is first, it Judy Dench? Yeah, this is the first Judy Dench M. Yeah, and and she just like lays out like all the problematic aspects of James Bond. It's like okay, they're aware of it yeah. now at least. Yeah, she like there's it's a great scene where she tells him, "I think you're a relic of the Cold War, a misogynist yeah. of a different time, and if I and if I have to send you to your death, I will. Don't think that I won't be afraid to do it." Like M, like 
throws down yeah. the gauntlet immediately and goes, this is how I'm going to do things. If you don't like it, tough shit. And, and it's just like, hi, Judy Dench coming in. Yeah. And being awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, by the way, speaking of that, this is also the first James Bond post the fall of the Soviet Union. Yes. Yeah. And that, and they kind of incorporate elements of that into the yeah. plot as well. Ormov is kind of trying to figure out like what he's supposed to be doing now that the Soviet Union's fallen apart. And oh, my favorite thing about Goldeneye, you know how Sean Sean Bean dies in every movie? Yes. Yeah. He dies three times in Goldeneye. Yes. He First, does. you think he dies at the beginning, then he falls off of a freaking like, like a giant cliff, basically. Yeah, a yeah, giant radar that dish that's like hundreds of feet in the air. Yeah. And then the radar dish falls on him. Yeah. So he dies three times in that movie. Because Bond blows up the radar dish, and the final shot that we have with uh, Trevelyan is him just going ah as the giant radar <laughs> dish just crashes on top of him. <laughs> Record for Sean Bean deaths in a movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's one of, it's one of the best movie. Sean Bean deaths. <laughs> All three of his deaths in it are great. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jim, while we've got you here, <laughs> what's your what, what was yours? All right, so mine is the dual duels <laughs> at the end of Episode Three of Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith. The combination of the Anakin Obi Wan duel and the Yoda. Uh, Darth Sidious duel. Mm -hmm. So I went back and forth on this for a while because I, I knew early on I wanted to do something Star Wars related, but trying to decide on the perfect scene was the hard part because part of me really wanted to go with the Yavin battle in episode four because it's so iconic and has a great score. I really wanted to go with a physical combat fight scene. Then I was tempted to go with Duel of the Fates because, again, beautiful score, but ultimately I decided on this one even though the others I feel are more iconic moments with, you know, personally, I prefer the music in those moments to this. I still love this one. This one is just so in important to the franchise as a whole, because like, this is the fight that the last five movies have been building up to, or at least since we knew we we're going to have a prequel trilogy, I guess you'd say the last two movies, but either way, this is the big moment. This is the fall of Anakin to the dark side, the fall of the Jedi against the Sith. You have this, great juxtaposition of the two combats. You have the two masters fighting, and they're only surviving apprentices, as far as we know, uh, fighting. You've got, you know, we just saw Anakin kill the younglings, kill all the other members that were surviving of the, um, uh, thinking on the name, the resistance, the um, separatists. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just like, Obi-Wan has to confront him. You know, he could probably skip ahead a bit to like the actual fight, but like, you know, I think Padme just died. Just oh, this yeah. explosion of anger, have you know, the fight to the death while also having to try to survive the lava rising and all the, the like, all the walking spaces slowly getting destroyed by the lava. It's just, it's just such a big climax, and the music just swells and kind of sad. I can't hear the music at this time actually. Yeah, the no, chorus is the fire is great, but I, I know, I know. We would copyrights. definitely get a, a copyright yeah. strike if we play yeah. the music. Yeah, especially yeah. Battle of the Heroes. Um, yeah, I can think of what was called Battle of the Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, that you know, the other thing about this is like they both have blue lightsabers. They're both the good guys we love. Like it's mm -hmm. I think the only time something like that really happens in a Star Wars movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, even though like you know, I just described Anakin, you know, this is his fall to the dark side. At the same time, he's you know been a focused character for the last three movies, and like we don't want him to go bad. You know, we're we're kind of in the same position as Obi Wan and Padme. It's like, you know, don't do this, Anakin. You know, 
turn back now that oh it's too late and you got that you know so many like cheesy yet like iconic moments from the scene you know the whole only a sith deals in absolutes or i have the high ground all you know the moments that kids today are still memeing you know coming from this fight it's such an such, uh, such a big moment like that's ironic thing that's the one ironic thing about that line only a sith feels an absolute it's like isn't that an absolute yeah yep. <laughs> also also i have the high ground just like darth maul did yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I, see, that's people always say that but my thing is like the reason he says that is because he like that was a pivotal moment in obi-wan's life like that was the moment where he decided to become the swordsman that he is now which, like, if you look into, like, the lore and stuff, like, the reason Obi-Wan wins this fight is because he's literally mastered a lightsaber form of combat that is all about defense. If he has, only like, any of that were defense. in the movies. <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. But that's why, that's why the extra lore is important. That's why you read it. It gives you extra context for everything that's happening. You could say it that way. You could also say that's why the extra lore is necessary for it to make any goddamn sense. You know, it's it's funny because like kind of like what Nathan was Those saying about really his choice funny. of Matrix Reloaded. Like, like there, this is definitely not like a fantastic movie. This is not one of the best Star Wars movies. I still I still love it. It's 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 in my like top five. I want to say I don't I can't remember exactly my list, but even with all of its faults, like it still has some great moments, great action scenes, great music. I like Grievous. Now, I like him more as a villain of the prequel, or the um, Clone Wars miniseries that came right before this, where he was actually intimidating and terrifying. Like, they, you know, they really dulled him down in this. But at the same time, ah, these moments in this movie just make it better than... Like, it's not garbage to me. This is... You can call one and two garbage. I will never call three garbage. I totally agree. I it's far and away the best prequel movie. Yeah. Totally. Like, there's, there's... A nuance in three that wasn't in the other two movies yeah that you know and there's a lot of like going back and re-watching it and you like see like anakin's like he wasn't just being a whiny kid like he was like you know he's a freaking hero to the whole republic you know he saved the chancellor and you know the jedi are still like kind of like nah you're just a dumb kid and it's just like yeah. no nah, he's pretty much you know space wizard jesus and you guys are treating him like, you know, he's a nobody. Yeah, and it made sense when he was a kid. Even it made sense to an extent in episode two, because that's we, we hadn't seen him do anything yeah. in those 10 years. So it's like, oh, he's just, you know, complaining. But, you know, if you follow the Clone Wars stuff, like, he's done a lot in between movies two and three. He has proved himself in his eyes and in the eyes, as you said, of the Republic and the Senate. Uh, and yet Yoda and Mace and Obi-Wan, they're still, like, holding him back because they still fear him. So it's like it's it's pretty good. It it's it's I think this is this is probably the best scene in Star Wars, in my in my opinion, is the best action scene in all of Star Wars. I'm surprised you found a version that doesn't have like the other fight intermixed with it because I was kind of like I saw I, I see them as like two you know complementary yeah. scenes or two two fights that you know really they complement each other well because again the whole masters and the apprentices and the light and the dark. Also, you get the actual Duel of the Fates song in the, the Yoda fight. Don't necessarily like the Yoda and uh, Palpatine fight that much, to be completely honest with you. Just because it seems kind of unnecessary in my mind. 
It's like this fight right here was the important one. This fight sums up that other fight perfectly. Yes and no, because I, I while I agree, like this is definitely the better of the two fights, and it does the whole Jedi Sith thing fine. I feel like the other fight symbolizes more of the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire, because the Jedi were, you know, defenders of the Republic, and Palpatine, you know, he has taken over, and you know, through the Senate, becoming now the Emperor, and we see like the Empire is destroying the la like they're fighting in the Senate room, the the hover chairs, the, the pods, whatever, like those are flying around, like we're seeing the fall of the Senate, and I think that does matter. I think it. I think it does have significance. The literal fall of the Senate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't appreciate the Yoda fight, though. I gotta be honest. <laughs> there is it, something it to be cool said for the fact. There's a lot of force throwing there, and yeah, kind of. Stuff. There's, also, there's also something to be said for the fact that. Yoda probably should never have fought with a lightsaber. That kind of yeah. like is antithetical to his character, right? I mean, kind of. If going by what we see in Episode Five, like the way he talks about like what it is to be a great warrior, yeah, I, yeah, I can like, see that. Like him never using a lightsaber. At the War same time, I have to, I great. do love that scene in Episode Two where he's jumping all over the place against Dooku. I, yeah. That's it's a guilty cool. pleasure of anything. It's it's a yeah. fun scene, but I think it ruins his character to a certain degree because yeah. like he shouldn't be like he he should have been like like what he does at the end where he's trying to save um anakin and obi-wan and and that by doing that dooku gets away that's kind of what he should have been doing the whole time is kind of being a defensive master because the whole his whole thing is like yes if you know we can do these things but really that's not what makes somebody great you know what makes them great is this other stuff trying to help the helpless and all that like the the I don't like uh, the Yoda lightsaber style. Apparently, it kind of turns Yoda into like a joke, in my oh. in my opinion. It's like, oh look at it, he's he's flipping around. It's so so it's like it's like you're you're seeing this little guy. You're about to see like the series. Like he whips out his lightsaber, and you think it's gonna be like a serious fight, and then it's just yeah, it's like a muppet. The big like he wants a Muppet. Well, yeah, I know, but it's like it, it, it's like what you would expect from like the Muppet Show. Like if two Muppets were gonna fight, you'd expect it to look like that. Yeah. It's the big problem of the prequels in general is that George Lucas basically had nobody saying no to him. Yeah. Like, if there had been more people who had said no, George, we shouldn't do that, then we would have had then there would have been a lot more nuance like there was with the original trilogy. And there would have been a lot less Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> what do you guys think of the the theory that Jar Jar was originally supposed to be the anti Yoda, and like he was supposed to be like this bumbling goofus, but then you find out he's like been pulling the strings all along? Is that just a fun theory, or is that a, there that anything probably, to it? That probably would have pissed people off more than Palpatine coming back for Episode Nine. Yeah. Yeah. How? Ma imagine this, J.J. Abrams. You got to give it to him. He managed to make a move. Well, you guys, did, who who here actually likes episode nine? He managed to make a thing that looks like a movie. <laughs> I so I just don't. And, and I like, do enjoy it. It's somehow it worse than episode one. How do yeah. you do that? I disagree. By being J.J. Abrams and not knowing anything about how to actually conclude anything. But yeah. on the other hand, J.J. Abrams did a phenomenal <laughs> episode seven. I thought it was yes. great. Episode but seven see, was fantastic. Just copied episode four. But it was set up. Yeah. What's episode that? seven was entirely set up. JJ, That's what J.J. Abrams was doing. Yeah. And great. then episode eight is great. 
Like yeah. it does, like it does all these twists on episode yeah. seven. You're like, oh, cool! And I can't wait to see where this goes. And then they're like, yeah, but it goes back to episode six, and not just like kind of like episode six. It's literally the guy from episode six. Yeah, yeah. It's because that's what J.J. Abrams knows how to do. He uh, understands nostalgia. He know, like almost to a weaponized extent. And also, he's very good at starting something, but can't really close the deal. I don't know. Did you actually enjoy that movie-long starship chase in Episode Eight? Yes. Oh God. It it I, is. I did. It, I did not. It is the weakest part of the film. I will give you that. That the <laughs> I the, won't say that Episode Eight is a perfect movie. Weak. There are definite weak points to it, but the stuff with Yoda with Yoda with Luke and the stuff with Kylo Ren and Rey. All of that is just like some really? of the best stuff in Star Wars. Yeah, the Canto Bike stuff and the Space Chase stuff are kind of weak, but the the starting the starting scene, the space fight with uh, Poe mm -hmm. and the the bombers yeah. coming at the dreadnought, that's amazing. Yeah. And I also uh, like the fact the, that I also that like scene the with the, the sister, mm -hmm. the, where the sister is about to drop the bombs. Yeah. Oh my god! I'm like that's like. How like you made people care about this character they've never met before and will never see again, and it's just like that. All those stakes in that one scene surrounding that one character, brilliant. It also they nailed that. It also helps that we finally get to see someone uh, receive some punishment for like, because in every other movie, every other science fiction movie, you'll see a character go, "I'm going to do this risky maneuver," and then they pull it off, and then they're like, "Yay!" Poe pulled off a risky maneuver, got a lot of people killed, and then got chastised for it because that's what a real yeah. that's what a real general would do. It's yeah. like you pulled off a risky maneuver, yeah. you succeeded, but people died, so I'm putting you on probation because yeah. people yeah. died. It's like, yes, that's how people should react. Yeah. <laughs> You've been demoted. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So Sean and Caleb, what do you guys got? Caleb, you got anything? Yeah, I got the uh the staircase fight from the protector with tony ja oh yeah when looking things up i uh i thought we were doing fight scenes so yeah. i was like watching a bunch of tony ja and jackie chan scenes to see which one i did send it to the jcu uh yeah I and i i haven't yeah. seen this so i will actually do want to watch this one yeah. while we're we're it's, talking about it this one's it's really another cool. um it's another one-shot scene, kind of like Ooh. the hallway fight in um, oh, Daredevil. Yeah, Hold on, I gotta get it. Yeah, like in Hold Daredevil. On, I, gotta, and, I gotta get it. Hold on. It's really long, but it's like uh, it pans up and to the right in this huge staircase. It's almost like a kind of like a shopping mall kind of area, and it's I don't know. So really quick, Caleb, while, while Sean is getting the video pulled up, like, can you, like, I've never heard of this movie. Can you give us, like, a quick, like, what is this okay. movie? So, um, Tony Jaw in the movie, I forgot what his character's name is, but uh, he owns, or he protects these two elephants as part of his tribe to protect elephants because they, they um, belong to royalty. And at the beginning of the film, the elephants are kidnapped and, uh, ship somewhere and he goes to the city i'm thinking like hong kong or something where uh he has to find these elephants where they're auctioned off to somebody and he finds out where they're auctioned off to and he kind of goes on like a 
I caught like a death wish path of getting his elephants back. And take it, but with elephants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, take it, but with elephants. (laughs) Thank you, John. So he's got a particular set of skills. Those set of skills involve him whooping everybody's ass on a staircase. And this entire it's shot like, is uh, one take, by the way. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like John Wick, but with elephants. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, except he's this not using any first. anybody's butt. <laughs> Dang. Oh. oh, yeah. oh, oh. Watching this, this is like a good version of that chateau chateau fight from yeah. The Matrix Reloaded. Well, there's stakes here because he's not yeah, invincible. Exactly. <laughs> And he has so, two elephants, he has to say. Yeah, I mean, he's not invincible, and yet you kind of feel like he is. <laughs> because, like, nobody can stop this guy. And he's just this, like, I, I love his wardrobe, how he's just, like, he's just him in this jacket. It's, it's just, he looks so plain. Yeah, he's got, like... He looks like you and me, like, just, like, <laughs> walked in off the street. He's got cargo <laughs> shorts and a jacket on. He's just, like... Yeah. <laughs> And like this a, is still the same shot, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't he looks like yet. a dad. He looks like a dad. Like just <laughs> showed up and he's like, "My, I know my daughter's here. <laughs> I know my, my daughter's daughter. here. probably doing drugs or having sex with her boyfriend. I'm here to stop it. <laughs> Except she's an elephant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not a knock on her weight. <laughs> no, it, no, she's, she's literally, literally an, an elephant. elephant. She's literally an elephant. <laughs> What's the yeah, name this of this is, movie again? I kind of want to see it now. The Protector. The Protector. Yeah. Okay. Also called Tom Yum Goon. Yeah. It's a Tony Jaa movie. This is Tony Jaa. Like he's brought this. Is, I he's think also this was the movie. Ascot. He's got a yeah. like, handkerchief around his neck. But Caleb, you might know this. Was this the movie that got him like his big break in America? Um, or was it Ong a different? It, it was Ong Bak, but this came right after that. Oh, I okay. remember Ong Bak. I forget on um, Bach, like, but I, re- I remember because I remember this one. Like, I didn't hear about Tony Jaa until this one. I've never like, heard of this movie or this guy. I really like the the synopsis for this on IMDb. A young fighter named Com must go to Australia to retrieve his stolen stolen elephant. With the help of a Thai-born Australian detective, Com must take on all comers, including a gang led by an evil woman and her two deadly bodyguards. Yep. Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, oh this is like it, it's a really it's it's a really good movie. It's a really good kung fu movie. It's like it's one of the it's one of this is I think this is the movie that kind of brought modern kung fu back. Oh, there's the first cut. There's the first cut right there. Yeah, one of this guy's earliest yeah. roles was as a stunt yeah. double in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, oh yeah, man. but not even not the good Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Good. Where are my elephants? It's such a good line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Game of Thrones. Nice, he does it twice. It's like it's like it's like Danny in Game of Thrones, but with elephants. Yeah. Oh no, it's like Cersei in Game of Thrones, oh. where she literally oh, asks no. for the elephants. Oh yeah. Oh, they ate his elephants. Yeah. This oh. where he finds oh. out that this bath that he's in. Oh, it's it is. This is this is where. Sorry, right. go ahead. <laughs> okay, I was just saying this is this is just where he finds out that this is a place that just sells exotic foods for people to eat, and 
his elephants are probably dead. Remember this? Oh, God. I have face. Tighten his lip. Wait, was that? Nah, I don't think so. I've, that one oh. chick looked familiar for a second, but I don't think it's her. It's got to stop biting his yeah. lip. She would have been too young for this. Uh, and the best part about this scene for me is that it's not even like the most climactic fight in the whole movie. Oh, wow. It just leads up to that and it just keeps going. Oh, punch. Wait. He was no, that was somebody else. I'm oh, thinking. Chuck. Who was it in the raid? Oh, oh yeah, that's somebody else. That was like the second movie I was thinking about of because that head. like that's another one where I'm like it's like this move like the protector was probably the movie that kind of like brought back modern kung fu movies and like or like brought kung fu movies back into like the public zeitgeist I guess and then I think like the raid was the movie that kind of just like <laughs> yes this genre is back in oh. here it's not going anywhere stepped on your toe the eco uas oh. in, in the raid yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that movie is just basically one entire action scene. <laughs> just yeah. kicked him through the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so think about the physics there. The door is a pushed open door. He goes through the window and then the door opens with him. Like so much force. He didn't just push the door open, he pushed through the window and then the door opens. <laughs> I really admire the stunt work in this movie as well. Where are my elephants? Some of the best stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like a brilliant chore, brilliant uh, choreography. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he did all of his own stunts. Angling, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tony Jaa was one of those guys that was like, yeah, he was famous for doing all of his own stunts. Come at me with just a box. Not as I would say, uh, fluid, or I guess uh, dynamic as maybe like Jackie Chan. But definitely way more brutal and way cooler. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> you know, it Chan. really. I think. I think one of the um, differences there is because he uses Muay Thai, and it's just a totally different yeah. style and what anybody was used to seeing at the time. And that was kind of one of his um, goals was to show like Muay Thai, in its you know overall strength. Mm-hmm. You can definitely see like the anger and the passion when he's like punching that guy in the stomach, like. Man, yeah, you can feel like you feel his, you feel his how he feels with every hit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I gotta hand it to him. This is really he's a pretty good, like actor with the, the you know facial expressions and everything. He's he's giving that that emotion across really well. Mm-hmm. Pretty, it's pretty good. It's this is this is one of those movies that is like I've always thought it was really good. <laughs> Oh shit! This guy's gonna be in the new Monster Hunter film. Oh, Monster yeah, Hunter! But I think he's gonna be under, underplayed. He's the there. hunter. Yeah, okay. that's so cool. Thanks for sharing that one, because now I have a new movie to see. <laughs> yeah, same. In my scene, well, I had one joke one and then one real one. My joke one <laughs> was, uh, hold on. Uh, I, you know what? I don't even want to show my joke one because it's like yeah, just do go with the real one. Yeah, my uh, my joke one was the fight scene. It's not real. I guess you could call it a fight scene. Uh, in um, uh, too fast, too furious. Oh, okay. 
And I don't I know if you've ever seen like basically yeah, it's yeah. like it's, it's hilarious because it's like the most homoerotic fight scene in the history of fight scenes in movies. It's kind okay. of like the start of like the homoerotic of like because it's like the rest of the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, because it's like it's Tyrese and um oh Paul god Walker. Paul Walker yes, and they basically like they haven't seen each other in years. They used to be best friends, and like they they meet again and they just like Ty- I think is it Tyrese that throws the first punch? Yeah. Yeah, the Tyrese just punches them, and then the next thing you know, they're both on the ground, just like rolling around and like <laughs> rapping on each other. In front of them. And they they are they're fighting like two dudes who used to be in a relationship, <laughs> but like something bad happened, and now they're just like really mad at each other. And it's like you're like just waiting for them to just stop fighting and make up and kiss already. <laughs> And that's like the whole that's the whole thing is like is that basically what the rest of the Fast and Furious sequels are like? Because I've only seen the first one. Like kind of pretty much. One? Okay. Yeah. I have not seen the rest of the fifteen or whatever movies there are. Start with four. Well, you can probably skip four. Start with five. Can I just skip all of them? <laughs> I yeah, thought the first was fine. But are they good? All of them. <laughs> And then as for my real uh, scene, it was this bad boy. What do we got here? I don't know if anybody recognizes this movie. Uh, no. Speed Racer. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Another Wachowski yeah. movie. Okay. Another yeah. Wachowski movie. Ironically, this is, yes. This is the last race of Speed Racer. And this is, ironically, my favorite Wachowski movie of all time. I actually I, remember really liking it. It's, everything about everything about this movie is, like, it's quite possibly the, the most aesthetically pleasing movie in the history of film, in my opinion. It's, like, everything about this movie looks and sounds amazing. And then those transitions are just something else. Exactly. Look at that. Look at this. It's like it's 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 quite possibly art. It's the it's like our film's art. Yes, this is. You know what it reminds me of, and I haven't seen this since it came out, but it's reminding me of that Ang Lee Hulk movie where like everything was supposed to look like a comic book. Yeah. (laughs) But this is like anime come to life. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Best anime version. This is the best anime movie ever made. Not like legit anime movies. I'm talking about like this is the best like anime adaptation movie ever made. Like the best live action version of an yeah. anime movie? Okay. Have you seen the Roroni Kenshin trilogy, man? Come on. The Roroni Kenshin is that trilogy live action? is garbage. <laughs> it was not garbage. Yes, it is. Compared to the anime, it's garbage. This is the only anime adaptation movie that is actually better than the original thing. Well, the original thing wasn't very good, so... (laughs) (laughs) That's how you do it. You you pick source material that's bad, and then you can make it better. Yeah, then you make it better. That's what you're supposed to do. Everything about this scene is like just... It's just it's just immaculately beautiful. You just... The colors pop. Even now, like this movie is like I don't even know how old this movie is, but like like you fifteen years old. Yeah, but it ages immaculately well. It's because they're not going for realism; they're going for stylism. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. It's basically Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John yeah. Goodman. You know, and it's a shame that this movie <laughs> came out when, Look like, at Mario John Goodman. Goodman. It came out when, yet, Caleb? Did you say? I, I, I said it's a shame that this movie came out when everything was about realism. Yeah. yeah. 2008, because... I think. Yeah, because yeah. I think that hurt That's it. About, because right? everybody was looking when the Dark Knight for... came out. Yeah, yeah. everybody <laughs> was looking for that gritty realism, and this was like just, oh, God. The opposite of that. Perfect style. It just. Everything looks amazing. Still, like this movie, still looks amazing even now. Yeah. It's like, I mean, like, that's and it's not the best drifting in the history of drifting. <laughs> better than uh, Tokyo drifting. Oh, way better than Tokyo. Way <laughs> better than Tokyo. I, didn't hate, I didn't hate Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift was fine. I haven't seen it. It was. A fun I just movie. assume it's bad. I like My favorite the... drifting is Crash Team I Racing drifting, so but you know what else. Like look at the zebras pattered on the wall. Like and it's like how they oh, made and the, the zebras they're galloping. Yeah, yes, they are. It's so good. And then they turn like the cars into like fight scenes. <laughs> like the races into I, fight that, scenes. That that seems to be a Wachowski uh recurring theme. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it was it had like this I remember the first time I watched this in the movie. I watched this in the theater. The first time, and I remember I was sitting next to this one chick who was just like way more excited than me <laughs> because I... she was like fist pumping and like screaming and doing, <laughs> and I was like watching it, but I'm like thinking like she's on the outside, how I feel on the inside watching. It. <laughs> I'm managing to keep it in, but she's just outwardly exp- expression because I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. I I feel the stakes of this because they've made like basically he has to win this race in order to basically disprove everything that the villain has like said the villain has basically told him that his entire sport is is a fix it's a sham it's 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 no good it's all everybody always knows the end of every race you know before it's ever even raced and you know he basically tried to get his dad like his dad like runs a racing company and they basically try to screw his dad over and make him like go out of business or whatever and basically this is the race where he gets to prove all of that wrong and he's doubting himself even during the race he's like doubting whether or not he could actually do it well here he comes here comes speed racer yeah and he's gonna prove him all wrong it's like it's ah it's everything about speed racer the movie is like just amazing i love how they just they figured out a way to make this movie quite possibly the most beautiful, like, and the music, like, I know you can't was, hear it. Was it Michael Giacchino? I think it was. Yeah. You and probably have to of... I think it was, but it, that's, I've always loved this music. I've always loved this, uh, this score. Another important part about the crescendo of this scene is the investment of the announcers. Because they, they, they give they the pretty much outcome of every race that happens before this right and there has made the races exciting and so to see the underdog kind of start to win they become way more emotionally invested and it just makes the scene that much better and the constant cuts back to the audience's reactions and then and the the uh the announcer's reaction it's like yeah. it, it really boosts the stakes it's like, and you see, like this is their their showdown between these two drivers, and it's just like, it's like, this should just be like cars driving on a track, but no, they've turned it into like this ballet of you know metal and you know rubber on 
concrete and ah, it, everything about it is beautiful. You <laughs> want to know a, a fun uh, fact I just learned? The person, yeah. the guy who edited this, also edited Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. All comes <laughs> also, Terminator Genesis, so he's not perfect. No, I mean Terminator but, Genesis probably had fine ending uh, editing. It's it, just the script. Yeah, editing. probably. He also did. Terminator Genesis looked. <laughs> yeah. The, the only problem with Terminator Genesis was the acting and the writing, <laughs> <laughs> the story, <laughs> and the beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> but but everything about the way the game, the the the, the movie looked was amazing. <laughs> sure, I. It was that the one with uh with uh Daenerys in it, or is that the one after that? That yeah. was the one with Daenerys. Yeah. All right, yeah, I I hated that one. I yeah, mean, it was bad. terrible. <laughs> it's like this, I like, this one goes on for a while, but like I I, I just love this whole scene. You know, I'm pretty uh, sure when I seen this scene, I'm pretty sure I like teared up a little bit because even I was also emotionally invested in this scene. Yeah. I remember <laughs> like, watching it in the theater day. like when it gets to like the when, like, and I would encourage you to watch it like the whole movie because that's what makes that ending scene like so emotionally impactful. It was like, I remember like, I, it still makes me tear up when I watch it. Yeah. Like when I, when I watch it the full movie again, I'm like, you see like the end, like after this part, it's the part where he gets back into the race. Is like, ah, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> I, let me see if I can skip ahead to that part. Yeah, because you're about to have like a long. Oh god! Oh, this, they the just have the movie. whole movie up on YouTube. I thought we were just watching, like this is just like an upload of the final fi- uh, race or something. No, I <laughs> I happen to have the whole movie up. up. Oh, you you bought it with like. YouTube I I, I have it. Had it for years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, has it. I thought we were on YouTube here. <laughs> this is one of this is my favorite Wachowski movie. Like the cuts in this are the cuts in this part are amazing. Like uh, the transition. Ah, the transition. Yeah. The oh, hey, that's what's his name from Lost. Yeah. He oh, was Jack. To- Jack Sparrow, <laughs> whatever his name is, Jack <laughs> something. It's that. It's, like, it's that one guy who plays the villain and everything. Yeah, the British dude. And the fact that this is all CG. Like, you you don't even feel like that. Well, it's because the CG's not trying to be realistic. It's yeah. trying to just be weird and cool. Yeah. Oh, man. It makes you feel like those announcers just watching it. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, my God, that is amazing. Oh yeah, the cut-ins of the flashbacks here. Yes, yeah. you gotta love Susan Sarandon. Yes, yeah, Susan Sarandon is an amazing actress. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think, wasn't that? There's that. Was it her? I think it was Susan Sarandon. There's this movie where it's either her or maybe it's Ashley Judd. It's like I remember. Oh, crap. There's like a a movie where like this mom is like on the phone with her daughter while her daughter's like getting attacked. No. Was that it, sounds yeah, like I, Taken. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. It sounds no, like no. Taken, except no, it's, it's where Susan Sarandon plays the Liam Neeson role. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no, it's no. <laughs> I'd it, watch it, that. It's, it's a more yeah, dramatic. I'd watch it too. <laughs> I would watch that. That would be amazing. Oh, but like, there's another one with uh, Halle Berry where she's she's like a a phone a police operate a operator nine one one operator 
person and the the kidnapped victim calls her. Mm-hmm. That's what you're thinking of. Thinking of that either. <laughs> I, I, you don't you don't regularly mix up Susan Sarandon and Halle Berry. No, I don't. I'm pretty oh, sure. Okay. Who does? <laughs> That's what I love. Dude. It might not have been Susan Sarandon. It might have been somebody else. But I'm I'm trying to look that up now. But there's like this. Uh... But we gotta we gotta wrap this up though. Yeah. I got some work stuff coming up here. Anyway, she's Susan Sarandon is always the best mom character in every movie she's in. <laughs> I think she's the best person at playing a mom. Susan Including Zootopia 2, where she plays Susan Sarandon. Ah. There's going to be a Zootopia 2? Apparently. Oh, no, I, I, I was thinking of Zoolander 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Same thing, really. Was there... Like, that uh, you know what? Never mind. We'll, I'm pretty sure we'll find out eventually if it's ever even going to happen. Look, if COVID ever does end and the movies ever come back, you know, which maybe, yeah, you know, now or maybe 500 years from now, when our uh, descendants are walking the earth and finally get to see the Black Widow movie. Uh, <laughs> Then, then we'll know about Zoolander too. But until then, this has been another episode of the JCU podcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you are all caught up. So, from us at the JCU crew to all you JCU crewmates out there, we want to thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you are listening on uh, any of the podcast services like uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google, what Google Notes? No, not Google Notes. Listen Notes. Uh, Google Plus or where, wherever you're listening to podcast services around the planet, wherever Baby you're doing Yoda. Uh, Yeah, Baby Yoda. Baby, everybody remember Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. Apparently a genocide. Uh, Baby Look, Yoda's Baby Yoda done Yoda genocide is, now. Uh, Baby Yoda's technically a genocidal maniac, but well, I still love him. Anyway, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching us on YouTube, thanks for doing that. Please like and subscribe and do all the YouTube things uh, so you don't miss a new episode. So uh, but for now, this is us signing out. Uh, remember to keep your masks, uh, wear your masks, wash your hands, uh, you know, uh, don't touch your face, and let's smack these curves. <laughs>